Shall we begin? Let's begin. Irakondo, what a finish! What a hit! Remember the name, Nestor Irakondo. Look at that! How on earth has Kuol scored from there? Suta! Another international goal. Rich Bagaloo through the crowd, fires one up into the top corner. This is the Soccer Who's podcast, the show all about Australian football as we look to unearth the next generation of Socceroos who will one day wear the green and gold. Welcome back to the Soccer Who's podcast. My name is Lockie. I am joined by James Jarvis, my co-host. How are you today, James? I'm well, mate. Haven't really delved into chocolate just yet, but hey, we're here. We are here. We decided, you know what, before we eat any Easter chocolate, let's record an episode of the podcast. Let's unpack what's been happening in Australian soccer, Australian football, the last couple of weeks. It's a no-no word, isn't it? Well, I do recognize that there is another code of football in Australia called Australian Rules Football, which gets shortened to Australian football. Well, that would imply that for that to be Australian rules football in existence. There has to be a football that is not Australian rules. Yeah, look, I'm not in the habit, and I don't want to get into the habit of code wars. We did see something fire up over on Twitter this week between Vince Regari and another journalist or so-called journalist. I don't want to make enemies on this show. That's what I'm trying to do. The only enemy I have is with Japan before last year's World Cup qualifier against them. I heard they haven't recovered since. Yeah, their economy's still down. That's a bit of a deep cut reference. Anyway, before we go anywhere else, I want to give a special welcome to Nike. They've released two brand new kits in time for the Women's World Cup. And I don't know about you, James, but it's a big tick in my book. You right there, buddy? Yeah, just have my headset on backwards. And that made a real big difference for you. It did, because, you know, the sounds there sounds... Righto. What do you but think? Yeah, they were good kits. What do you think of the new kits? Yeah, I I, I like them. Um, I love the color on the second one. Not sold about the collar region. The collar region. Yeah, the 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 neck upper. The neckline. You're, yeah, not not a fan. What's your ideal neckline on a kit? I, I don't mind like not like proper collared kits, but kind of like those fake kind of. Uh, you're one of those. Yeah, you yeah. Want to, no, I'm I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of the kit. Usually, it looks too much like a training kit for me. That is like the neck design. Okay. I feel like a match kit has to have a bit more of a formal feel, whereas the training kit feels more like a oh yeah, you just pull it on, chuck it off. It is what it is. Look, we can disagree on that. I think it's a fantastic kit, uh, and I'm excited to to maybe get one before the Women's World Cup. This show primarily does focus on men's football purely because it would take so much more time and energy to also focus on the women's game. And that's something that we both don't have, but we're open to having someone else come on board, contribute from the women's game. But let's get into this. Let's go around the grounds. Let's talk about what's been happening in Australian football this week. And as we usually do, we'll start it off in England. All the games we're going to talk about, uh, would I'd say from the most part, off the back of this international window, right? There, there are a couple maybe snuck in before the international window, but, but for the most part, all of these are post this international window that we've just had. Riley McGree, he's back in England. He only got to play one game for Australia against Ecuador, but he does have an assist off the bench against Huddersfield, unfortunately going down 
4-2. Billy Capich's side, Billy Capich was on the bench as well. Didn't get any minutes. Yeah, it could have been a 4-0 a win part of field if Billy Capich played. But also, if I mean, McGree started, it could have been a 4-0 a win to Middlesbrough. So who knows how that could have gone. But I think we probably would have preferred McGree to start. Absolutely smash True. Huddersfield, and then they have to reinstate Billy Capich as the keeper. Seems like a good arrangement. Unfortunately, that it didn't come to pass. But yeah, Rod McGree, he's back, back playing at club level, back getting on the goals, you know, chart in some way, shape or form this time with an assist, and probably going to be back starting very soon because he's he's quite an important player to that team as they push towards hopefully for them automatic promotion. I did see this week he was speaking quite highly of his coach, Michael Carrick, saying that he's a great influence and he's learned a lot from him. And so I think that's evident, just purely based on the way that he's been playing the last six months and building quite nicely towards the Asian Cup, which has been confirmed to be the start of next year in late Jan, early February. So that'll be exciting as we turn our attention towards the Asian Cup and who we might have in this squad, because I think we said it last episode, but the future is looking bright. We do have plenty of fun options in this squad. A player that hasn't seen the national team f- for a little while, and i be honest, I don't think we will see him ever again in the Green and Gold, which is sad because I think he's brought me some of my favorite memories in the Green and Gold. Mastawongo, some fine form over the last five games for Ipswich Town. Do you see him forging a way back into the Socceroos, James? I mean, if he's playing like this, there is always a chance, right? Um, scored a goal just before the international break, and now after the international break, has a very good uh, game and a big, big 2-0 win against Derby, who are also vying for promotion. So, if switched down, they're right on the precipice of automatic promotion, fighting out with Plymouth and Sheffield Wednesday, and it'll be great to see Ipswich go up, because obviously they have Mashlawongu, who is found some great form and they have Cameron Burgess who of course has been in great form as well and maybe knocking on the door now for national team call-up because 27 years old he's definitely an option being a left footer so it's really exciting to see two Australians playing so well over in England over in Europe and hopefully we see them both in the championship next year that would be great to see two Australians I love when you've got a team that you can follow even just kind of follow. You don't have to follow them super intently, but when there's two Australians on one team, I'm always keeping half an eye out for their results because, I don't know, it's just good vibes. Yeah, like at Bolton, mate. Yes. Long-term listeners of the show will know that James is quite passionate about one certain Gethin Jones who plays at Bolton. He's a dual national, which I think is part of the reason why James loves him as well. You have a bit I love of a soft a dual spot. national. Yeah, you have a soft spot for dual nationals. Gethin Jones... Australia, Wales, is that his other Correct, nation? Yes. He hasn't played for either. No. As far as I'm aware. And he's getting towards 30. So it would be not the strangest thing to call him up. Almost like Callum Elder. Yeah. Similar sort of vibe to that. But yes, Gethin Jones has had a goal and an assist in the last couple of weeks against Sheffield Wednesday and Plymouth Argyle. So James, you can talk about him. I can, uh, and I'm happy to because he's a very versatile defensive player. I think he's a great option for the Socceroos. Uh, definitely not first choice, I must say, but especially when you look at the left-hand flank where it's kind of Bayich, Boss is now coming into his own. One injury happens there, and you know 
all hell breaks loose in a in a way because it's kind of like who's up next. And I think Gesson Jones should be up next. I think he's a very versatile defender that can give you a lot of different things. So as you can see, golden assist from a defender. He continuously gets clean sheets as his Bolton side is, you know, having, having some very good performances down in League One and, uh, you know, also very much in that promotion race sitting in fifth place. Finally in England, friend of the show, Cam Pupion, just been in camp with the under-23s. We'll talk about that in just a second. But back, playing for Brighton, got a goal and an assist in a draw against Liverpool's uh, Premier League two side. Yeah, very good game for Cam Pupion. I mean, the Premier League two is a very good level of football as well. And getting a goal and assist, it's a great thing for him because hopefully we see him playing senior football very soon because he's 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 right on the cusp right now he must be close to getting bench minutes at the very least and you know maybe a loan move could be on the cards because i mean brighton are now very much becoming a you know a europa league level side uh which makes it harder obviously to break into but it's a credit to cameron pupion because he's growing with the side and he is continually knocking on that door and it's exciting times because a breakthrough has to come soon and Hopefully, for his sake, it comes this season in the Premier League. I mean, we saw with Alex Robertson, who has also been lighting up the Premier League too, just how good he was when he came on for Australia. Now, there was also limitations to Alex's game. He's still a raw product. Definitely not the finished thing, by all means. But you just saw glimpses of the potential. And so to see someone like Camp Upion still doing it in the Premier League too, and hopefully we can continue to see more from him and he can try and fight for a spot in that Brighton side. He is potentially one of the options that we've been crying out for as a winger in this national side. Yeah, definitely. And the winger depth is an issue for the Socceroos. And, I mean, Cameron Pupion definitely addresses that issue. He's a very direct winger. He's a very pacey winger. And that's a lot of what we look for under Graham Arnold currently. We want pace out there. Uh, we want pressing intensity and intelligence out there. And Cameron Pibion, he gives that to you. He's still very much growing as a player, growing as a creator, I would say. His end product is coming along, uh, but it's growing, I think, very well at the moment. So it's one of those options where, hey, other side of the Asian Cup, you know, we maybe say goodbye to... Someone like a Craig Goodwin, who's a bit older. Someone like a Matt Leckie could be moving on. And you're kind of looking at, you know, your Grankwalls, Tilios, Pupions, Irinkundas. It's all about that next generation because there's a lot of talent there. And who's going to be the first one really to make a proper imprint? I know we've seen Grankwall get his first goal at international level yet. But now in Scotland, he's struggling a little, struggling a little bit. That's the reality of it. And... It's still very much up for grabs who's going to really take that opportunity by the scruff of the neck because we're seeing really bright spots from all four of those players. But no one's really kind of taken their career by the scruff of the neck and made that national team spot their own yet. Speaking of attacking options for the Socceroos, Mitch Duke in Japan, goal, two assists in the last two games. And he's leading his side to promotion. They've only just started the season, so it's still way too early to say, but he's taken 
his Zelvia side, Makata Zelvia side. And what he's doing is that he's, I wouldn't say single-handedly, but in the same way they did last season, he is very much helping their chances at getting promoted into the J1. Yeah, I mean, Mitch Duke—he's an industrious nine at this one of his career. He gives you a lot of, lot of little things and a little bit of everything, really. And his hold-up play is phenomenal. His pressing play is phenomenal. The way he can break up the play on the defensive end is also very, very impressive. And he's getting involved in score charts and breaking up the play and creating opportunities through counter-pressing, but also knocking opportunities with his head. He's come on leaps and bounds. And I was very surprised to see him kind of take a sideways step after the World Cup, stay in J2, arguably for a lesser side as well. But hey, it's... It's working out for him all right. He's obviously happy. He's taken over on the there. challenge, right? Yeah, he's he's obviously happy over there. He's taken on this challenge, and I mean, he's playing some very good football. And as we were saying for the national team, it's still translating to a you know a good level. So, all the credit to him, and great to see him getting a goal for all his hard work. We saw against Ecuador, Brandon Borello played incredibly well in that number nine position. Where we've got more number nine options, it seems like for this Socceroos side. John Idel playing in the third division in Germany. Would you throw his name in the mix? He's two goals in two games. He's kind of in that, you know, next man up kind of list right now, where I look at, you know, have we said Noah Botic, John Idel, Alu Kowal, these kind of players who they're not quite there, but they're certainly that next list of names of you know, younger younger forwards, you know, that kind of like 23 to 20 age bracket. You know, D'Agostino as well as in that age bracket, I'd, I'd say, and also in kind of like this bracket right now because he needs to grow a little bit more, I think, as well. But you know, these kind of players where it's it's similar to the Pupion, Grankwall, Irinkunda kind of debate, Tilio debate of we have a lot of just good prospects right now. A lot of really good prospects. But it's a matter of which one is going to push their way up the league. You know, push their way up the league systems. Actually get meaningful senior minutes at a very high level. Idale, he's had a bumpy career so far. He showed a lot of promise when he was at Wolfsburg. Um, Has recently struggled a little bit in Germany and now finds himself in the third tier. Where he has actually finally started to find some form. Two goals in two games. And... It, it looks like it could be a turning around moment for him. So hopefully for his sake, he does. Um, because Germany is a is a tricky league to crack, uh, as we have seen from Alu Kowal, who is over there right now. And hopefully for his sake, as his uh, wise Baden, I hope I've said that right, side is pushing towards promotion. He can stay involved with the squad, stay involved with the goal charts, and maybe see him in the same league as... Jackson Irvine and Conor Metcalf are playing in this year. Yeah, I, I don't know how to pronounce that, so I'm gonna I'm gonna back you in. Maybe Weisbaden. I think W in Germany is is a right. V. I know I know it's Baden because that's a city. That's, yes, that's an easy bit. Well, good thing we aren't geography nerds, and this isn't a geography podcast because we wouldn't be very good at that. I guess we're all right at analysing the football side of things. We try, we try, we, we try. try our best. Hey, speaking more football. Alex Grant in Korea. Pohang Steelers, solid game against John Book. Alex Grant, man. I have no no good answer to why he hasn't played for the Socceroos in the last four years. 
be careful with what you're saying because it made it just sound like you. I have no good things to say about him. No, I have great things to say about him. He's a phenomenal center half, left footed as well, so versatile. You love a left footed center back. Well, it's an important thing because it opens up your passing range. Ideally, they're two footed, but when you can't get two two footed center backs, you kind of want a left footed one to complement your right footed one. But Alex Grant, he's got a good passing range, really quick as well. Standing at a decent height of six foot, he would complement, I think, Suzar to a very, very high level. And I'm absolutely bewildered how he hasn't had an opportunity uh, at the national team, especially when Harrison Delbridge has had an, had an opportunity. And in my opinion, I think Harrison Delbridge is the third best Australian centre-back in Korea behind Alex Grant and behind Lachlan Jackson. So... It is what it is, but, I mean, Alex Grant is a phenomenal centre-half. He's playing continually phenomenal football and has just registered a huge win that he was a very important part of against Jean Book, who, as the name should register for people that follow Asian football, are regularly in contention for the Champions League. They're a very good outfit, and that was an absolutely huge win for the Pohang side, which Alex Grant plays for. You did just mention Harrison Delbridge. He did grab a clean sheet in his most recent match against Daegu. He's been playing well over the last couple of weeks as well. Uh, He's been all right. He had a really solid game, I'd say, most recently. Uh, But prior to the recommencement of the season, not the most impressive start for me, but it it was certainly a good game most recently. A nil-all draw uh, where, I mean, nil-all draws are often good angles to centre-backs, right? Mm. They shut the play down, but for me, the big improvement of Harrison Delbridge is his contribution to build-up play. I feel like his passing distribution isn't ideal. He doesn't really have the vertical passing to supplement the midfielders ahead of him. So, uh, I'm not I'm not sold as Harrison Delbridge for a national team option, but I think Graham Arnold may feel the same way because we haven't seen him since that you know, short cameo against New Zealand. Yeah. It's... A bit of a strange one. Yeah, it was a bit of a confusing one because you have the higher ability, I think, decisions that you could call up an Alex Grant or even just a higher potential call up where you could call up a young Australian that's kind of more vying for opportunities in the future. So a, a bit of a weird decision for me for Harrison Delbridge to get that cap. But I hope that he proves us wrong. As always. That's... Our motto, really. We love being wrong. We love being wrong when it comes to players proving us incorrectly and surpassing our expectations. That's one of the key things that I hope that every player that we talk about does. Prove us wrong when we speak poorly. Prove us right when they when they when we speak highly. Yeah. 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 Oh, but even if if a, if we're talking highly of a player and they still prove us wrong by exceeding, exceeding our oh, expectations. Yeah. True. So, I'm I'm more than welcome to people proving us wrong by playing better than we say that they are. Back in Australia, James, Craig Goodwin. He's got an assist against Western Sydney Wanderers. That was a couple of couple of games ago. But what a fiery fixture that was. We saw Irin Kunda getting a little bit of beef with the Wanderers captain Marcelo. But it, it is great to see Goodwin continuing to chip in, get the assists, get goals where needed, and lead that Adelaide side. 
I mean, he's a class player, and we know this. He's shown it consistently. Could be in for a shout for the Johnny Warren this year. So an assist really doesn't come as a surprise at all. Uh, but yeah, a bit of a fiery fixture, I think, for Aaron Kinder. And good to see that he's a passionate player. Um, ideally, you want him to keep his head a little bit better because he's so fast that he's going to get professionally fouled with regularity. But hey, what can you expect? It's, you know, a 17-year-old kid. Hey, speaking of kids, Central Coast Mariners, Brisbane Raw, 4-1 loss to the Raw. As Raw fans, not the greatest game. Trying to figure out your segue still. Neck to Triantis. He's a kid. He's 19, but... He's a kid. Yeah, I, I guess. Not legally, but... Not legally, but it still feels like a kid. I mean, if, it, it's kind of like if anyone's younger than you, they're a kid, right? Yeah. Many people listening to this might consider us kids. It's true. But yes, played well against the Raw. The Raw didn't really challenge him, if I'm completely honest. But he did a great job at shutting down any chances that the Raw did have, the half chances that they had. And, look, you do want to protect your clean sheet, especially when it's 4-0. But uh, a penalty call that was somewhat dubious meant that the Raw did get a goal. Ah, Stonewall, I would say, personally. But uh, staying on Triantis, he's a mighty fine prospect. I don't think he quite has the upper potential limits of you know, other players that we have seen at centre-back recently for the Socceroos. I think someone like a Kai Rolls, uh, as Kai Rolls is right now, is something that we can look to Triantis and think, okay, that's a realistic outcome. Him just to be a solid European-level centre-half who, you know, he, he won't play continental football, I think, at a high level. He won't be in the top five leagues uh, as a starter, but just a very solid European centre-half and... I think Triantis can very much jump over to Scotland, to Holland, and fit in in those leagues. So, really good prospect, had a good game. But, yeah, he's one of those players as well. Now that I think about kind of Harrison Delbridge, that he he could have had that opportunity maybe a bit too early for him. But I wouldn't mind seeing Triantis possibly getting Socceroos call up in the next calendar year or so if he continues this form. Uh, also, in this game, of course, Jason Cummings got a goal, uh, trying to keep up and catch up to Jamie McLaren because that is an interesting little race there that is now being jumped in by Taggart this calendar year. So, as always, very interesting, very fun to see, and that Cummings, Taggart, and McLaren watch is alive and well. I mean, Taggart did get a goal for Perth. He's still a while off the pace, though. Of McLaren and Cummings. Yeah, I, I'm also looking at since Taggart came to the league. Sure. You know, there's a, let's make it a le- more of a level playing field because sure. th- they have a few more games on them right now. But, hey, it, it's always exciting. I think those three are very much, and now Borello as well, those four, you can really say, are vying for two Socceroos spots. So it's very exciting to see who's getting in. And ultimately, strikers is a goals business. So Cummings getting on the goal sheet, will help him in that case, but I think it's a lot more than that because, I mean, he dominated the role by dropping almost into that defensive midfield area and just dictating the play from deep. James, we had a bit of a tizzy about whether Triantis classifies as a kid. I know that this player is one year younger, still technically 18, 
But Jake Gerwood Reich, is he classified as a child in your mind? Um, yeah, I think 18. Yeah, <laughs> they still are. But I mean, he's, he's getting his first start for Sydney against Western United, uh, playing in centre mid. What do you make of his game? Yeah, I I think he's a very talented midfielder. He's um he's very industrious. He's a box to box player. He'll come up and down the pitch, and I think he was very very solid uh, on the defensive side of the ball in that game. And I know people will look Western United. Hey, they got three goals. I think the way he was able to break up play, win the ball back in 50-50 situations, but then quickly move the ball to Max Burgess in that game or forward to Joe Lolly in that game was very impressive. And it showed a lot of poise for a young player, which you often don't see. You often see central midfield players want to either be way too exuberant, want to push the, you know, push the pace, push the tempo and always look for the forward ball, or you see them being way too conservative. Oh, I got the ball back. Then we turn around and pass backwards to my centre-back. And I think Goodwood Reich showed a really good balance of the two and showed a lot of really sound decision-making in finding the correct option with regularity and knowing when to try and play a line-breaking pass, knowing when to pass it sideways to a more creative player in Max Burgess, or when to play it backwards and just retain possession. So I think it was a very impressive game from the youngster and... Hopefully, it marks the beginning of something from Sydney FC to just play the youngsters because they really do have the most stacked MPL side in the country in terms of potential, and I don't think it's very close. It really has been a hallmark of a Sydney FC MPL side, right? Just lots of potential, but just not a lot of opportunity in their senior side. And they make money when they give them opportunity. I mean, we've just seen Yazbek make them, what, 800k? Yeah. going overseas, play the youngsters, give them opportunity, and you'll make the money back to redevelop more players. He was hanging out with Cam Pupion in, in London the other day, actually. Cute little reunion back in Europe. Both came through that uh, Sydney MPL side. But we're also seeing with Adelaide, with Central Coast Mariners, these sides that continually look to play young players. Even Melbourne City have been doing a really good job. They seem to have more resources and are able to bring in some higher-quality players to help with the younger players. But even they are giving opportunities to young guns and then selling them on. We've had this conversation so many times on the podcast before. We don't need to have it again, at least not right now. But Sydney, just invest in youth. It'll pay in the long term. I mean, proof is in the pudding. One of those Melbourne City youngsters who is legally a child because he's 17. I've looked this up. Max Caputo. He scored against Newcastle. And I don't know if you saw the picture. I think it was him next to Tilio. He looked like a giant. He looks like a full-grown man. He's a very average-sized human, Lachlan. Yes, but next to Tilio, he looks like a full-grown man. And But one thing he definitely is now, I would say, is a full-grown footballer because... Max Smart. That was well, well played. Oh, thank you. It's a rarity from me. I usually leave that stuff to you, but I, I'll I'll appreciate the plaudits nonetheless. Staying on Max Caputo, though, I really like him. He's a very, very talented young player. He's a tricky winger. He will want to 
start wide and then come into the half space, look to break the gaps and break that line between fullback, center back, get into that space to allow an overlapping fullback to come alongside next to him. So he's a very much, you know, a mid 2010s style winger that we started to see become very commonplace during that era. And he's a very talented dribbler and he's a very direct player. And at the age of 17, his dribbling skills are probably the best in his age group, I would say, in terms of an attacking winger. He'll want to bring the you know, the attack to a player, which is something that's almost lost in Australia these days. We often speak about how our wingers can be a bit too indirect, look to use the pace to get in behind rather than get the ball to feet and then attack. Max Caputo, he's not slow by any means, but he understands when he needs to attack with ball at feet, which is something that's very valuable. And to be honest, when I think of the talent that has come through the A-League recently and someone like a Grant Wall, when I think of the talent that still is in the A-League with someone like a Aaron Klinder. I, to be honest, I think Matt Caputo is in a similar vein to those two players. And the opportunity is starting to come. It's, you know, kind of been trickled in. He's had a, you know, a bench appearance here, a bench appearance there. And now he's got a goal. He's had a few bench appearances now this season. I'm really hoping it comes together and he gets a start soon because I think... Once he starts to get some consistent minutes, now that his body is kind of starting to form, he's starting to become, you know, an adult, uh, which helps in football, believe it or not, to be strong and to have fully developed physically. I think he is ready for the tall of professional football, and I think he is ready to start getting some starts under his belt. And I think he is, a, most importantly, a ready-made replacement to Tilio, who should be looking at heading overseas this offseason. So I really hope if Tilio does head overseas that Melbourne City, they don't look to bring in an import and instead Max Caputo is pushed forward as the replacement because he has all the talent in the world to be that replacement. James, I stand corrected. It was Jamie McLaren, who also is a short king. But looking at this picture here, I'm showing you right now, that's Curtis Good. That's Caputo. He's a tall boy. Uh, yeah, he's, he's long. He's long. He looks like a full-grown man. I stand by it. And uh, it will be great to see him continue to grow into the footballer, the man that he is. Youngest goal scorer for City, officially. So that's a fun one to have in the record books as well. like to see that age decrease more and more as we continue to develop young, talented prospects. Also, Melbourne City did play... I'm going to say half a game. It was slightly more than half a game. They finished off the Melbourne Derby, the infamous one that was shut down and was postponed. And Aidan O'Neill did score technically a brace. He only scored one goal the other day. But when you add the two half games together, it was a brace. I think it might be a world record for the longest time between goals in a single match by one player. But... Off the back of his incredible performance for the Socceroos, his fine form for Melbourne City, another goal. Must feel good. I'm sure it does feel good, and I'm sure it feels even better knowing that it puts him one step closer to being back in Europe because I think this is the last season in the A-League, at the, at least at the top of his game. I think he is now ready to head over to Europe and become, I think, in the Socceroos regular because I think the growth he has shown 
it's him Devlin for me and I think Aiden O'Neill at this point in time is just edging out Devlin to be that first choice six we spoke about O'Neill on last week's episode so I don't know if there's much else that we need to add to that conversation other than good brace great brace fantastic keep it up Aiden uh he showed a lot of patience, you know, to get the second goal. A lot of missed opportunities along the way, but he, he got there in the end. It would have been great if he had scored a second goal the other night so that it could have been a hat-trick because that would just be the cherry on the on the top. I mean, usually scoring three goals is better than two. Okay, mate. Righto. Hey, <laughs> let's turn our attention <laughs> towards the under-23s. They had a, a camp over in Italy. Beat Como's under-19s 4-0. I believe they lost to Swiss under-20s 1-0. We haven't seen a lot, if I'm completely honest, of coverage about these guys. Once again, one of these opportunities to give international experience to players during these international breaks. I think it's a fantastic thing for us to do, even if we're playing youth sides in other nations. Good for them to, to gel as a team. What what can we take from something like this? T- two matches against youth sides. One you know, resounding win. One close loss against Switzerland. How do we, as Australian football fans, respond? How should we respond? Well, to first of like all, this? FA, please make these games more accessible. The Camo, what the Camo one wasn't accessible anywhere. But we saw the highlights. We saw the highlights. The four sure. goals, really. Yeah. But uh, at least the Switzerland game was available on this bootleg website with a inbuilt browser that you couldn't find anywhere unless you trawled through the news releases from Football Australia. So please make these games more accessible, Football Australia. That's the first thing. Uh, the second thing is we saw um, Novolo and Jelicic play the first games in the green and gold, which is a great thing to see, but... For me, when I'm thinking of youth football, it's familiarity, right? Mm. It is playing with your peers, becoming very familiar with your peers, just building this familiarity with your teammates. So when you do hopefully end up playing together for the national team, you already have a very deep familiarity of what it means to play with each other. And this is where we see countries like Vietnam do really well against us, especially in the youth setups. Because while we're better tactically and technically than Vietnam, they've been playing together from a young age for a very long time. And that familiarity builds success, it builds trust, and it helps them have performances that are above their skill level and to bridge that skill gap. So we need more camps like this, and hopefully we continue to see camps like this because these are really good opportunities for our young soccerers, for our Oliveroos, to have performances grow and develop as a team and build that cohesion together. And that, for me, is the, probably the biggest takeaway because if we see continued cohesion, if we see players like Jordan and Courtney Perkins continue to play with the Kytru in the long term, that familiarity that they will have together if they both grow into the place they can be and become Socceroos will be completely invaluable because that cohesion that they will have developed through playing at length with each other will mean they will play better than two centre-backs who are slightly better than them, but don't have as much cohesion or familiarity. And that, for me, is the biggest takeaway from these youth games, as well as winning over dual nationals and getting them involved in the setup like Jelicic and Novella. 
Speaking of our youth system, we've got the AFC Under-17 Asian Cup. It's coming up in Thailand, uh, June and July this year. Brad Maloney, uh, the the manager, has called up 30 players for a, for a little camp um, later this month as the team continued their preparations. And a lot of these players playing at A-League clubs in the NPL side, some some ones here and there from uh, lower-ranked MPL sides, at least not ones that have A-League sides attached to them. I'm not expecting you to know any of these players, but hopefully, as you're saying, these opportunities continue to, to build and, and grow and help develop and nurture the future of our Socceroos side. Similarly, the Under-23 Asian Cup will be taking part in the... Uh, Maurice Ravello tournament from the 5th to the 18th of June for our under-23s as well. So that's another opportunity for our youngsters to play alongside one another, prepare for the under-23 Asian Cup. So two youth versions of the Asian Cup. And then also this week in Australian Footballing News, and this is something that I will need to rely on your knowledge for, Football Australia has continued to do some work in the background to make sure that our domestic transfer system is reformed, uh, specifically surrounding the National Football Agents regulations. I know you're passionate about there being a bit of a reform, at least having a domestic transfer system in place so that we can not have this mutual contract uh, cancellation, termination is the word I'm looking for, at the end of every window. Seeing this news, how does that make you feel? I mean, it's it's a step in the right direction, right? Agents need to be regulated, I think. Um, they bring too much money out of the game through various means, some fair, some nefarious. Uh, but the bigger thing for me is it's a step in the right direction as we build towards hopefully a domestic transfer system between A-League clubs. Um, that's the biggest thing. Hopefully we see that come to fruition soon. We see transfers between A-League clubs get greenlit, get approved, the A-League clubs... Currently, as I am informed, I believe, are the ones that are blocking this move. Football Australia have put forward proposal after proposal to try and get it done, but the clubs, for whatever reason, don't want to accept that and don't want to get involved with transfers between their clubs. So hopefully that changes soon and hopefully we see that happen. I also hope um, that we start to see a larger training compensation package. That's something I would love to see. Uh, to see our junior clubs get more financial windfall from transfers within our system, but also out of our system uh, from moves abroad. I think that will also be very welcome and will help, especially with the prices of things like junior registrations when we start to get more financial windfall flowing down our system. So yeah, step in the right direction. And hopefully we see a full DTS be unveiled and taken on board by the APL. There you go. Well, that'll be it for this episode. As always, you can get in touch with us via our socials at Soccer Who's Pod, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, or via our email, soccerwhospod at gmail.com. If you've got any feedback about the show, we'd love to hear it. Uh, if you're an agent and you'd like your right of reply, get in touch with us. If you've also know someone who knows someone who knows someone, get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from anyone and everyone about your thoughts on Australian football. We want to grow as a show. We want to grow football in this nation and something we're both pretty passionate about. Until next time, enjoy the football. Happy Easter.